We started really young because we foraged for a lot of our own food long before land-based food was popular. And deer hunting, ice fishing, fishing in the summertime, and picking berries and making jams and jellies, you know, it was a big family project. You're listening to Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. I'm your host, Erica Housekeeper. Bruce Batchelder was a child when his parents moved across the state from Island Pond to the Champlain Islands. In the islands, where the land is flat and the lake surrounds you, ice fishing is a big deal. And for Bruce, ice fishing has been a big part of his life for as long as he can remember. A former educator and school administrator, Bruce and his wife Joanne have owned Holiday Harbor Lodge in North Hero for the past 16 years. The Lakeside Lodge specializes in fishing and other outdoor recreational opportunities. The lodge includes direct lake access with a boat launch, a dock space with electric, and a live bait and tackle shop. And on a recent mid-February weekend, Bruce was particularly busy hosting a group of ice fishing enthusiasts from Massachusetts. They were there for the 42nd annual Islands Ice Fishing Derby in the Champlain Islands. I caught up with Bruce around lunchtime, where we sat at a table overlooking the Alberg Passage, a narrow stretch of Lake Champlain located between North Hero and Alberg. In this episode of Happy Vermont, Bruce starts us off talking about what he loves most about this traditional sport that has deep roots in Vermont. I think what I like mostly is the primal nature of it, the fact that you go out on this frozen body of water, mysteriously drill a hole through somewhere between 6 and 20 inches of ice, brave the elements, and always excited to bring something through the hole, whether it's a panfish or a larger fish, a northern pike or a salmon or a lake trout. It's just very mysterious, very just very primal. You're really in touch with the elements. You have to protect yourself from the cold and from the wind and all that sort of stuff. But exciting to catch fish, you know, through a small hole in the ice. There's a walleye, 10-pound walleye pike hanging in the uh, tackle shop that my brother and I caught. He says he caught it. I said, Dan, it's on my wall, so you figure it out. But we were together. We had drilled a six-inch hole fishing for perch and dropped a little lure called a bibbit down, and it must have dropped it right on his nose because, you know, bang, the fish was there. So he's enlarging the hole because we knew that that fish would not fit through, you know, a six-inch hole. And he fought the fish. I chopped, and then he chopped the hole bigger, and I fought the fish, so we caught it together. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to sit out there on the ice for a long time to catch something? I mean, that I've never gone ice fishing before. That's my assumption you're out there for a really long time. Is that true? Well, you do get set up for the day because it's a production. You know, you load up all the gear, you get your tip-ups, you get your rods and reels, your bait, your shelter if you have shelter. So there's a lot to it, and you plan on spending the day. Here's an example. I have three, four guys staying here for four days. And today they went fishing up in Missisquoi Bay rather than fishing here in the Albert Passage. And they took a shelter, they took the heater, they took, you know, their bait and all of their stuff, went up there, drove out on the ice, set up their traps. I think they bought four dozen jumbo shiners to take with them. They left at four o'clock this morning. One of them just came back. I need more bait. We're out of bait. We're catching fish like they haven't got any monsters, like anything over 10 pounds, but you know, four, six, eight pound fish. And he said, we can't sit still. You know, we just sit down and boom, another flag goes off on the fish trap and you're allowed 15 traps per person. So they likely have 50 to 60 
fish traps out there. And one is going off back and forth and they're running around. He said, I'm tired. <laughs> it's noon, you know. That's the fun of it too. It's just exciting. And they take turns. Oh, it's your turn, Frank. No, Ricky, it's your turn. You know, so they're back and forth. Yeah. Is it the kind of sport where people usually do it in a group or do some people are some people out there solo? Well, both. I mean, a lot of teamwork, a lot of two and three guys together. This crew that's here right now, the Otter River Sportsman Club, there's 27 or 30 guys coming up together for two-day weekend of fishing out on Lake Champlain. So it's a very camaraderie kind of atmosphere. Although I love fishing by myself. I love the solo part of it, you know, being very minimal, dragging a sled out with just the bare minimum of needs to get out there. And again, you're experiencing something completely alone. It's usually quiet and very productive. So that can be a lot of fun too. The Champlain Islands definitely seems like the spot in Vermont for ice fishing. I'm sure there's also places and ponds and lakes around Vermont, but what is it about the islands that makes it such a popular spot for ice fishing? I think the big thing is that there are so many different areas and styles of fishing that you can do. You can do deep water, lake trout, salmon fishing. You can fish reefs and humps that are out in the middle of the lake. You can also fish the bays like we fish right in here, some weedy, shallow bays um, for different species of fish. So there's just a combination of, of so many different areas and atmospheres to fish. The inland lakes and ponds tend to be a little more glacial, you know, scoured out by the glaciers, deep, clearer. And they hold a more specific species in each area. Here, you can catch everything from the cold water salmonid species to the warm water ones to uh, perch, bluegill, sunfish, crappie, just a wide variety of fish. What did you call it? Alberg? This is the Alberg Passage. Alberg, I think, named for one of the Allen brothers. So Allen, Alberg. So this is a connecting arm, like a giant river, between the eastern side of Lake Champlain, the inland sea, some Missisquoi Bay down to the sandbar, and the western side, which is just past the Alberg Passage and what's called the Point of Tongue in Alberg, over to the Broad Lake. So the Richelieu River down to Burlington and beyond. And we are sitting right on the northwestern corner of the last of the Champlain Islands, the northernmost, North Hero. And then right over across the passage is the Alberg Tongue, it's called. I've heard it's the only piece of land in the continental U.S. that's not an island but isn't connected to the rest of the country. Cut off by the Canadian border at the top and then a hole in the railroad bed down on the bottom a bridge to North Hero, a bridge to New York, and here we are. Yeah, great. So you run Holiday Harbor. Tell me a little bit about when you started Holiday Harbor and, and what it's all about. Well, Joanne, my wife, is a main part of that as well. So together, she's had a career working as an assistant judge, and she worked for Governor Salmon and did a bunch of other stuff. I was a school person, a teacher, an administrator, started a private school before this. So we both had a lot of different types of experiences. We bought this 16 years ago, and it was a roadside motel, basically, Holiday Harbor Motel. And we really didn't want to run just a roadside motel. And because it's directly on the lake and really uh, great fishing right out front, we decided to tune things more to the fishing aspect of it. So it became Holiday Harbor Lodge, and we've catered to the fishermen, fixed up the room so that uh, we have everything that fishermen would want and need. And so it's just been a delight to be here, to live right on the lake and to work at a business that caters to fishermen and women. So yeah, it's been great. What was your background in education? 
As a teacher, I was an elementary school teacher for a while. Third grade was my specialty. And then taught junior high school, taught high school, and then went into administration as a, as a principal in three different public schools. And then got asked to start a private Catholic school in Morrisville. So I did that. It took about 10 years to hire the teachers, get the students, build the building, and do all the work that's involved in that. And Joanne worked both in schools. She's a school guidance counselor as well as a, an assistant judge. So yeah, pretty busy lifestyle. This put us together in the same place and really created an atmosphere where we could work together. And some people say, oh, I could never do that, you know, but it's just been a pure delight for us. So yeah. And so this weekend is really a busy time in the islands. We have the um, ice fishing derby here. And driving up here, I saw all these shanties on the lake and trucks out there and people fishing. Is this the biggest ice fishing weekend of the year? Well, there's a lot of activity, but this sort of coalesces a lot of that together because of the competitive nature. There's prizes, there's bump boards, there's weigh-in stations and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, a lot of people that normally might do something else on a weekend are going to go ice fishing for the chance to buy a reasonably priced ticket and maybe win a nice prize. On top of that, this is a great year for ice. I mean, it got cold and it stayed cold for a long time. So we have a really good ice pack, at least up north. And so safety is a big factor, obviously, on the ice and a little bit of a blessing and a curse because people are out there sometimes in places that you wouldn't necessarily drive a truck or a full-size vehicle, but because, you know, oh, I'm on 20 inches of ice, but it's still frozen water, you know, and they're not driving on terra firma. So it's a great year for ice fishing. The fishing has been great. All of our guests are catching something. They're all happy. And so... In many ways, it's a banner year for the islands, for the Ice Fishing Derby. The North Hero Great Ice Celebration is coming up, I think maybe next weekend. So all activities outdoors on the ice are really flourishing. Probably much the same as the ski areas because it's been a great year for snow and snowboarding and cross-country skiing and all that stuff too. So, yeah. You mentioned that the ice is good this year. You know, we've it was really cold. It stayed cold. You know, in recent years, not so much. So how does ice fishing work when you have kind of a, a mild winter? Well, I would assume that people in the business like I am are very particular about the amount of ice, the quality of ice, how it grows, how it sustains itself over time. Because when I put people out there on the ice, I want to know the condition of the ice and I want to make sure that they know the best and most up-to-date information that I have about the ice. So what I look for is a year like this where it gets cold without a lot of snow cover in the islands. And it stays cold, particularly at night, so the ice grows. I mean, you can hear it. I call it talking, but it's singing or whatever, popping and moaning and, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. It's really a beautiful sound. But it's the overnight temperature that really, to me, governs the uh, nature of the ice. So I look for hard, solid, not corrugated sort of quality of ice, not crystallized, but just, you know, you can look right down and see... 12 to 15 inches of just like marble. And then after that, it's basically holding on to that structure for as long as we can to maintain. It's the shorelines that begin to sort of weep and sort of pull away. And then access becomes a little more difficult. So sometimes there's plenty of ice out there, but it's hard to get to. And there are people that build, I've, I've done it, build a bridge, you know, from the shore to the ice pack to get out there to keep fishing. But in the business of ice fishing, 
as the years go by, I'm much more cautious. I'm much more tuned in to what's happening. Like right now, we're in the January thaw period, although it's February. But this is very typical. You get two or three days of above, above freezing, melting. It's knocked down the snow. It really hasn't denigrated the ice all that much. So it's going to freeze up again tonight and stay cold for the next few days. So it's going to be fine. But uh, keeping track of it, you know, day after day, because the ice is a living thing and it, and it uh, changes every day. Do you measure the ice every day? Do you go out there and measure it or how do you track it? I don't measure it every day, but I do measure it up until the time that I know what we have. So before I put a four-wheeler or a snow machine or certainly a full-size vehicle, I want to know how much ice is out there in the areas that we travel and what quality it is. So once I get to a foot, then I keep track of it regularly, but not necessarily every day. But right now, I know that there's 18 inches of ice out there and we might have lost an inch in the last day or two, but that will refreeze over the top of the water that's on the ice. So again, it's about the quality as much as the depth. How do you measure ice? Well, I drill a hole and I have a uh, either use a regular tape measure. I have a stick that's got a little hook on the bottom so I can hook it on the bottom of the ice and then it's calibrated so that I can tell, you know, I don't like to guess. I do have people that guess. For example, a guy a few years ago came in and There's always somebody who's the first person to drive, not here, but he was on Dillenbeck Bay, which is a state access. He came in and I I was talking to him and I said, did you drive out? And he said, yeah. I said, did you check the ice? And he said, I drove out and I checked it. And I said, okay, you drove out and you checked it. You didn't walk out or take a, you know, a sled. No, I drove out and checked it. I said, well, to me, that is asking for trouble. So I walk out and I, I won't, consider putting a vehicle out there until I can measure 12 inches of good quality ice. I don't care what's on top or underneath, but I need 12 inches just for my own, I'm going to say peace of mind, I guess. If someone were to try ice fishing for the first time, what advice would you give them? Well, first they need really good clothing, hands, feet, hat, and I like bibs and a coat. Because you can always take things off, but once you get out there, if you get cold, you're just miserable. So warm and dry is important. Obviously, knowing the ice conditions, so you don't want to go out there on sketchy ice or something like that. And it's good to have somebody with you who has done it before so that they can show you how to ice fish. I have people coming here and they don't have any gear. I've had people come up from New York or Philadelphia and, you know, they don't even have good boots on there. They have their little foo-foo boots, you know, from the city, which is fine in the city, but it doesn't really cut it here. And they want to rent some tip-ups and buy some bait and have the quote-unquote experience of ice fishing. So I try to help them do that, but they're usually miserable. They usually don't catch very much. And they've had the experience, but it wasn't a real quality experience. There have been a few local people who have been willing to take folks out for the first time. I've been asked to do that, but I really... It's not something I really want to do. If I'm going to go ice fishing, I'll, you know, I'm going to get my own gear and my own stuff and go. But it is good to go with somebody who has the time and, and the capability to show you because it can be an extremely exciting and fun time or it can be boring and sort of cold and miserable. Okay, so you've lived in the Champlain Islands since the 1960s. In general, ice fishing aside, what is your favorite thing about the Champlain Islands? 
Well, there's a few things. But first of all, it has remained relatively peaceful and undeveloped, surprisingly to me, because as you watch the world and you travel around and you see how congested and how built up places get, you know, just drive through southern Vermont into northern Massachusetts and down into what I call the lower tier. And you just see a different complexion of of the way things are. And even places that are kind of sweet and somewhat not developed have sort of been taken over by a sort of a different atmosphere. Western Massachusetts just comes to mind, you know, the Berkshires area. Beautiful area. We love it. We travel through there. But the Champlain Islands being where they are is just surprising to me that, you know, an hour and a half from downtown Montreal from here, even with traffic, if you can get across the border now, but you can't, but when you can, six hours to New York City, four hours to Boston. I mean, we are in a corridor of a very populated area, and yet there isn't a Kinko's or a Starbucks in sight. Not that I'm against either one of those, but to me, that's a representation of the mindset here. And so the quality of life here has remained really beautiful, really serene, peaceful, relatively low crime and all that sort of stuff. And the other thing equally as important are the people that are here, because like all small town Vermont, the islands, even though they are somewhat provincial in their nature of not being closely connected together from Alberg to South Hero, they're all their distinct communities where they're distinct people. The people are genuine and they're thoughtful and they're helpful and they're neighborly. And you find that a lot in small towns around Vermont. I think you can still find it most places. I won't talk about the places that I think you can't find it, but that's beside the point. So you have this real authenticity of people, which I love. I love real people experiencing the beauty and the environment and the fresh air and the sports and, you know, just everything that there is about the life, the spirit of of Vermont, which uh, I think is alive and well in the islands. You can learn more about Holiday Harbor at HolidayHarborLodge.com. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Pandora, and Stitcher. And if you have story ideas, comments, or just want to say hello, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at hello at happyvermont.com. Thanks again. Take care and talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.